Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you had fantastic weekends. I've been up in New York City getting a lot of work done. I am now back. I should be here every day this week. Next week, scheduled to leave for Italy uh, on a family spring be- uh, break trip. Fingers crossed. Want to say right off the top, thank you, thank you, thank you to YouTube. You guys are amazing. The comments are incredible. The audience for many of our videos, extraordinary. I love you wherever you are watching or listening to this program, but in particular, like and subscribe the OutKick channel on YouTube. We want to blow this thing up through the roof. The numbers that we are seeing, the commenters that we are reading, they're incredible. And I want to make sure I give you guys love right off the top. Like and subscribe the OutKick channel. I think there's around 250,000 of you who have done so so far. We got hundreds of thousands of people who are watching our videos. If you like the things that we say at OutKick and you want to help more people see them, like and subscribe so we can continue to grow that audience. I love you all on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, uh, the audio, uh, if you're listening to the audio version on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you have found us, many thanks to all of you. There are, it's crazy now, millions of people every week that will consume Outkick the show, just this show, uh, related content that is a credit uh, to all of you. Uh, so we got a bunch of different stories uh, to dive into. Let's start with the Brandon Miller story. I wouldn't change anything that I've said. I stand by it all. I think it is the biggest embarrassment for the SEC, uh, this Brandon Miller incident, uh, for the University of Alabama, for the SEC, for college sports in general that I can remember in a very long time. I don't believe that he should be playing. He transported a murder weapon, a loaded gun, to the scene of the murder of a young mom Her young boy, five-year-old, I believe, will now be raised without a mother. Uh, And I don't believe that there's any way to justify the decisions that Brandon Miller's made. I sat down with my own kids and I said, look, if you ever have somebody texting you asking you to bring them a weapon, don't do it. If you ever have a weapon in the back of your car, don't drive it to a drunk person at 1.45 in the morning on the corner of a college campus or anywhere else in the world. It's a series of bad decisions. I think the adults in the Alabama room, president, AD, coach, I think they have all failed in their leadership. And that was further confirmed on Saturday when Brandon Miller was introduced and one of the walk-ons, I believe, Pretended to check him for weapons. It's ridiculous. People say, well, they've been doing that all year. Maybe stop. Maybe don't do it after you've provided a weapon that's led to the murder of a young mom. Maybe don't continue to check to see if you have weapons when you come out onto the basketball court. Maybe don't make that your Twitter profile picture. Maybe One adult in the entire apparatus of the University of Alabama says, hey, maybe we stop the frisking. Maybe we stop the weapons check at the introduction. No one thought of this. 
in the hundreds of employees at the University of Alabama Athletic Department? No one? I thought about it. I thought surely Alabama is not going to be dumb enough to continue to allow that to occur. And then they were dumb enough and they've continued to allow it to occur. And I think you're basically seeing that the SEC is letting it be known that they are embarrassed by what's going on right now with the University of Alabama. And the conference itself essentially let that be known uh, because they didn't name Brandon Miller either the SEC Player of the Week or the SEC Freshman of the Week. In fact, they picked a player on Arkansas that Alabama beat on Saturday. Brandon Miller had an average of 32.5 points per game and 7 rebounds per game. Oscar Tshibwe was the SEC Player of the Week. Clear decision made by the conference not to reward Brandon Miller. And maybe even more noticeably, the SEC Freshman of the Week was Nick Smith Jr. at Arkansas. As I just mentioned, Arkansas lost on Saturday at Alabama. It's impossible to me to look at this and say anything other than the SEC is embarrassed by the choices that Alabama has made to keep Brandon uh, Brandon Miller eligible. Nate Oates has done himself no favors. To be fair to Nate Oates, he did say that the weapons check frisking, however you want to define it, celebratory introduction would end going forward. But if social media hadn't taken note of it, if sites like OutKick hadn't written about it, if I think it's tens of millions of people now hadn't watched that frisking weapons check video, I don't know that anybody at Alabama would have thought, oh, this is something we should be embarrassed by. And again, I think Alabama fans have tremendously embarrassed themselves in the way that they've responded to this. And I said this last week. Look, if Brandon Miller played for Auburn and every other situation were were the same, right? If somewhere off Auburn's campus, Brandon Miller had transported a gun to the uh, the venue and uh, of, of the murder, to the murder scene, and Auburn had continued to play him, and Auburn were uh, attempting to be a number one overall seed, Alabama fans would be in an uproar. The only reason Alabama fans are defending this, and by the way, overwhelmingly every other fan base in the country is embarrassed by what Alabama's doing, is because Brandon Miller's a really good player. And like I said last week, if this dude may uh, average three points a game and played eight minutes or 12 minutes a game, he would have gotten suspended or kicked off the team. I I don't think there's any doubt. So Alabama has made the calculated decision that Brandon Miller is so good at basketball that it doesn't matter that he transported a murder weapon. And people are like, well, Jay Billis said he has rights. Okay, he does have rights. Every individual in America has rights. I did criminal defense law. Playing sports is a privilege. It's not a right. People get suspended or kicked off sports teams all the time for relatively inconsequential matters. Some of you probably have been on a team that got a guy kicked off, showing up late for practice, violating a team rule, not listening to the coach, making poor grades. These are relatively small matters of misbehavior that regularly get 
players suspended or kicked off teams. Being involved in taking a loaded murder weapon to the scene of a murder is worthy of being kicked off the team in my mind. And the fact that head coach Nate Oates, athletic director Greg Byrne, I think his name is Stuart Stevens, the president of the University of Alabama, the fact that the adults in leadership positions at the University of Alabama have made this decision is a huge embarrassment for Alabama and a huge failure of their leadership, in my opinion, and an embarrassment to the SEC, as I think the SEC is letting you know by not awarding Brandon Miller, who's a very talented basketball player, any sort of commendation for his play on the court this week since this information has come out. And um, to me, this is the worst story for the SEC. It was even covered in the Guardian newspaper in England. They were like, how in the world is Brandon Miller still playing in the Guardian newspaper in England? And if you go into the comments underneath any University of Alabama account, when they're sharing any information, I saw uh, Justin Thomas retweet that he had been at the game and he just retweeted a picture of himself, the PGA golfer, and the comments underneath it were unbelievably negative towards Alabama. This is not some biased situation where you're being treated unfairly at Alabama. Everyone except for Alabama fans, who is a sports fan, looks at this and says, my goodness, this is an embarrassment. People say, well, where's the line? I don't know, right? Could agree to disagree on a lot of things. Remember how much of a scandal, a a scandal in quotation marks, it was about Cam Newton playing at Auburn? Alabama fans lost their minds over Cam Newton being eligible to play at Auburn based on a dispute of whether Cam Newton was paid to go to Auburn or not. And that was a huge story. I remember, I covered it. I said I thought the likelihood was that Cam had been paid and that as a result, he violated rules and he shouldn't be playing. Alabama fans agreed with me then. But comparing Cam Newton potentially getting paid to this Brandon Miller situation is crazy. Alabama fans were demanding that Cam Newton not play and now they're saying, oh, we're being treated unfairly because people are saying, yeah, I think Brandon Miller shouldn't be playing given what's going on in this case, given the fact that a mom lost her life and that a five-year-old now is going to grow up without his mom because of the choices made by Brandon Miller. He chose to drive a car to the murder scene with a gun in the back. People are like, he didn't know the gun was there. Well, he got a text message letting him know that the person there needed his gun, all right? Well, they're like, well, he didn't even get that text message, okay? But if you actually look even at the statement of the defense attorney, I don't begrudge a defense attorney. I've been a defense attorney. Your job when you're a defense attorney is to put your client's behavior in the best possible light. That is the job. I understand it. I've done it. I've defended people accused of murder, I've defended people accused of domestic assault. I've defended people uh, defended people who've been accused of dealing drugs. Like, I've defended people who have been involved in the criminal justice system before. I know what the job is. I respect the job. I don't begrudge any attorney. You are an advocate for your client. 
But if you look at what he says in his statement defending Brandon Miller, he says, Brandon never touched the gun, was not involved in the exchange to Mr. Davis in any way, and never knew that illegal activity involving the gun would occur. Do you see what he's not saying there? He's specifically not saying that Brandon Miller was unaware there was a gun in the car. Again, Brandon never touched the gun, was not involved in the exchange to Mr. Davis in any way. Davis is the man who fired the shots. And never knew that illegal activity involving the gun would occur. But he drove to a place with a gun that he knew was in the back of his car after receiving a text message from an individual who said, uh, I need my joint, a blank just got a fakin'. Uh, again, I'm not an expert in, uh, in, in lingo here, right? But uh, faking means threatened, according to the testimony from the detective in this case. So, Miles' defense attorney says that Miles texted Miller at 1.38 a.m., I need my joint. And let's just remember this. He didn't say, hey, I left my gun in the back of your car. It's underneath some clothes. I didn't tell you. He said, I need my gun, which would indicate that he knew the gun was there. Miller did already. And then you combine that with the statement from Miller himself, uh, his own attorney, Brandon never touched the gun, was not involved in the exchange to Mr. Davis in any way, and uh, never knew illegal activity involving the gun would occur. He doesn't say he didn't know the gun was in the car. The text message came saying the guy needed his gun. It's 1.38 in the morning. If Brandon Miller had just said, I'm going to bed, drank too much, can't get out, I'll send you an Uber, just get in the Uber and come home, stay out of trouble, then there would still be a mom alive today. And Brandon Miller, in my opinion, has given up his ability to have the privilege of representing the University of Alabama. That's the story. I'm not changing. I wouldn't change a single word that I've said from the get-go on this case. I think the University of Alabama has embarrassed itself. Uh, Certainly, it appears the SEC agrees, uh, the parent conference, and it also is certainly the case that the vast majority of American sports fans all over the country agree as well. And just because you disagree... If you're an Alabama fan and you're listening to me right now, it doesn't mean somehow you're the victim or you're being treated unfairly. If everybody else agrees and you disagree, sometimes it means that you are the biased person. And I would just point this out one more time. If Auburn had done every single thing that Alabama has done here, Alabama Crimson Tide fans would be on the warpath over Auburn's behavior. They would be. They'd be calling for Bruce Pearl's job. They'd be demanding that Auburn uh, suspend the player. They'd be demanding that Auburn suffer consequences for their behavior. And again, 
a lot of people can't do this. I don't understand why. I learned it early in my uh, early in my sports talk radio career. Stripping yourself out of the equation and just looking at the undisputed facts. Because there are undisputed facts here. People say some people say, "Why you have to make a decision right now?" Well, there's undisputed facts. No one is disputing that Brandon Miller drove a gun that was used in a murder to the corner of a Tuscaloosa street. Sometimes there are facts we don't know. Like if Brandon Miller was saying, I wasn't there. I didn't drive a car there. I didn't take the gun there. Those would be issues of dispute. We know Brandon Miller got a text message sent to his phone. We know that Brandon Miller drove asking for a gun. We know that Brandon Miller drove a gun to the murder scene. We know that Brandon Miller's own attorney isn't even trying to say he didn't know there was a gun in the car, right, by his own statement. All of that is undisputed now. So if you know all of those facts, that's plenty not to have Brandon Miller playing to say nothing of the embarrassment of still coming out to games and getting checked to see if he has weapons after a mom died. It's just a huge embarrassment uh, to the University of Alabama. Let's have some fun. That's a serious discussion. Uh, Friday, I was up in New York City. I walked into uh, the uh, Fox News studios. I was on Sean Hannity's show on... Oh, by the way, I I guess I should comment on all these kids wearing the uh, F. Clay Travis uh, hard hats. I I thought that was funny, right? Like, people are all out there like constantly offended and everything else. If you didn't see it, we've got articles up. Maybe they can put a picture up. Might have to blur it because we're sharing it. Uh, But there were several uh, Alabama students, it appears, in the student section wearing F. Clay Travis with the A as the uh, Alabama A on it. I actually thought that was funny. Like, I I believe in the marketplace of ideas. If you think that I am an imbecile, if you think that I am a buffoon, Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If you think that I am a sexist, racist, homophobic, transphobic, uh, incorrigible loser, you can share your opinion. It doesn't impact me. Believe me. I got super thick skin and a pretty good sense of humor. So I actually thought the F. Clay Travis hard hats worn by several University of Alabama students were actually pretty funny. Uh, I should mention that as well. Uh, Also, I thought this was funny. Um, I saw this and, uh, and I jumped into it. Um, this is from Media Matters. So we hired, as I mentioned, Kurt Schilling to be doing a Major League Baseball podcast for us at OutKick. And uh, as a part of that hiring, this Media Matters for America, this left-wing, basically paid propaganda site, uh, wrote an article about us hiring Kurt Schilling. Um, And I'm reading from a couple of their paragraphs. OutKick announced this week it hired Schilling to host the Kurt Schilling baseball show. The site described itself questioning the consensus and exposing the destructive nature of woke activism 
OutKick is the antidote to the mainstream sports media that often serves an elite left-leaning minority instead of the American sports fan. That's what we, you know, basically mission statement. That's the way we describe ourselves. Next paragraph. Right-wing conspiracy theorist and sexist commentator Clay Travis founded the site. Uh, and I couldn't help. I shared this on Twitter. I couldn't help but laugh when I saw this. Uh, the nod of the cap to Media Matters. Right-wing conspiracy theorist and sexist commentator uh, Clay Travis founded the site. Um, it's true. Uh, I did found the site. They got that part right. Uh, but I love that I'm a right-wing conspiracy theorist. What right-wing conspiracies do I believe in that have not been proven true? We'll get to one of them in a moment. Uh, but so just labeling someone as a right-wing conspiracy theorist by itself to me is, is pretty funny. And sexist commentator Clay Travis. I uh, Several of you responded that the way you read this was as sexiest commentator. So I would like to buy an E. I'd like to buy a vowel, a uh, will of fortune style, and just drop the E right in there. I do think I'm the sexiest commentator. I'm not even the sexiest commentator at OutKick, unfortunately. I think that's clearly Tommy Laren. Maybe I'm number two? Dan Dakich, I don't think a lot of you are out there like throwing panties at him. I don't think that he'd be high in the sexiest commentator rankings. Chad Withrow, Jonathan Hutton, we got a lot of people now. Maybe number two? I don't know. But anyway, I thought you guys would appreciate that. Um, right-wing conspiracy theorist. What am I a right-wing conspiracy theorist for? Nobody ever really explains that. Except that a lot of the things that I was a conspiracy theorist for actually end up being true. Like saying, hey, I think COVID came from a Chinese lab in Wuhan, which I've been saying for a couple of years. Look at all the data. Who argues against it the most aggressively, uh, by and large? Dr. Fauci. So when I looked at the data, I said, wait a minute. There's a virology lab basically right next door to the Wuhan wet market. And we know that they've been doing gain-of-function research, which is actually funded by our own American taxpayer dollars, partially. And literally, they've been experimenting on viruses, trying to make them more lethal, more effective, better able to spread, right next to the wet market in Wuhan. If you were going to come up with a way that COVID was going to spread in that particular location, it seems likely to me that instead of thinking that some random animal got infected with COVID and spread it to a human at the fish market, food market, the Wuhan food market, seems to be way more likely that it came out of the virology lab where we know these experiments were taking place and then was being spread human to human at the food market basically next door. Now, I'm not a scientist. I'm not an epidemiologist. What I am is a super rational, normal person. Basically, I would be an incredible juror. You put me on a jury. You give me all the details. I'll tell you what most likely happened. You remember Occam's razor? It's basically a, a, a theory 
of whatever's most likely to have happened probably happened. It's actually the opposite of a conspiracy theory. You give me all the facts, and I'll look at them, and I'll say, given all these facts, it most likely is the case that COVID leaked from a, uh, from a lab uh, that was doing gain-of-function research on coronaviruses. Makes total sense, right? Well, now, the Department of Energy, under Joe Biden, has determined, along with the FBI, that it is most likely that COVID came out of a Chinese lab. That probably is what Media Matters would label a right-wing conspiracy theory. Well, I was right, I think, about where COVID came from. I was definitely right about the fact that the COVID shot neither stops nor prevents the transmission of COVID. I was right that masks made absolutely no difference in COVID and that our kids should have never been forced to wear them. I was right that two weeks to stop the spread did not make sense. I was right that lockdowns were not going to work. I was right that there was no difference between essential and non-essential businesses. I was right about virtually everything on COVID, that kids could play sports safely, that college football could be played safely in 2020. We're going to have Ron DeSantis, Florida governor, on tomorrow. Do you know who fought harder for college football to be played in 2020 than anybody? Me. Do you know who was attacked vociferously for those opinions more than anybody else in all of sports media? Me. But I was right because I just looked at the data and made rational, reasonable decisions. Tomorrow, we'll talk with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis about this. Outkick sent somebody to cover the very first live sporting event to happen back in May of 2020 when the UFC had an indoor competition in Florida when everybody was still losing their minds and OutKick was saying, we got to figure out a way to do this, okay? So I was right about all of it. For every single one of those opinions, the mainstream media labeled me a right-wing conspiracy theorist. Again, I'm just asking media matters. Just asking anybody out there in left-wing media. What have I said that is such a crazy conspiracy theory that I should be described as a right-wing conspiracy theorist. Because I think I am the most hyper-rational, least controversial human on the planet. I think that there's so much, I'm going to curse here, so much bullshit in America today that most people don't recognize the unvarnished truth because it's so rare that it seems controversial. But the reality is, I'm the least controversial person on the planet. I look at all the evidence, all the facts, and make rational, reasonable decisions based on that. And more often than not, I get them right. Now, I was wrong in March when I looked at COVID data from China. But unlike, and I said, hey, based on the data from China, I don't think that many people are going to die of COVID. Now, we can still argue about how many people actually died of COVID, But I used that Chinese data. And then it was clear that they lied, right? China did. But I learned my lesson. So when China said, oh, there's no way that this ever came out of a a Wuhan lab, 
I was like, well, I'm not going to trust China, China, because why would China ever admit that they allowed COVID out of a lab when it's an embarrassment to the country and it's going to cost trillions of dollars? See, I think we should still be filing the largest class action lawsuit of all time against China. Heck, I think we should cancel all the debt that China owns that the United States government has given them and say, yeah, now we're even for all the lies you created with COVID and the fact that you allowed COVID to escape a Chinese lab. That might be radical. I might be the only person you even see arguing it. But I think that would at least give compensation to the United States for what China unleashed here and for the disastrous leadership that we had from the Democrats. That's my personal opinion. Um, Woody Harrelson. Gina Carano shared a great clip of uh, Woody Harrelson talking with Bill Maher. And the, the, the subtext of it was Woody Harrelson sitting there barefoot, old school hippie, talking about how he doesn't trust the government. And I don't think we talk enough about how crazy things have gotten in the United States that the people who were fighting against Vietnam, right? The Woodstock hippies running around naked, banging like crazy all over that farm, drugged up, hopped up, listening to music, dancing, throwing the party of all time, right? All of those people that hated the government now have grown up and they defend the government to the end of the earth. All these hippie people who used to be skeptical of government and of censorship and of the power of overreach are now the ones who are lecturing us if we don't believe what the government is telling us. And Woody Harrelson's still an old school hippie. He's a dude walking around naked with hemp necklaces, playing hacky sack, doing drugs, watching rock bands. And he just said, as part of his SNL Open, uh, which was great and so fantastically said, we had large lockdowns And we were told we couldn't leave until we took the for-profit shots of big pharma companies. That's what happened. And I don't know whether people cognitively can't reconcile it, but Woody Harrelson was making a joke about how you could never make a movie like that. And then almost on cue, every one of these companies, Pfizer, Moderna, All their allies in big media came out saying, oh, Woody Harrelson spreading an anti-vax conspiracy theory. You just see it, the headlines. No. Woody Harrelson is just being what a normal hippie used to be, which is skeptical of governmental authority and the stories that they are telling you. This is not a right or left issue. Back in the day, it was left-wingers who were running around at Woodstock not believing the government and what they were telling everybody. Now, those same left-wingers are saying, if you don't listen to big tech, if you don't listen to big media, if you don't listen to the government in power right now, you are not able to have your voice heard. That's what they're trying to do. That's what they tried to do over the past several years. They're not rebels. They have traded in their rebellion for authoritarianism. And it's like these guys don't realize 
if we take back this country in 50 years when they tell the story of COVID, all the people that think they're heroes are actually going to be villains. All the people that have been lecturing us for years about being on the right and wrong side of history are actually on the wrong side of history for the most consequential issue of their lives. And I think in the back of their minds, they're slowly starting to recognize it. And the cognitive dissonance of recognizing that instead of heroes, they're the villains is keeping them from acknowledging all the lies that they spread and all the harm that they've done. Big point that I think many people are still missing. Um, Jordan Poyer. Jordan Poyer is a safety for the Buffalo Bills. I like him. Appears to be a free thinker. I like people who are willing to challenge authority, who are open to the idea that they might be wrong, right? Every single day, I contemplate, am I right or wrong on this issue? And I look at all the evidence, and if the evidence supports a different direction than what I would go, then I come back and I say, hey, hey, here's how I'm changing my opinion. There's new evidence out there. Easy way to explain this is, it's basically what sports fans do, right? If you're a fan of college football or the NFL, Every week, you get a new data point, and you figure out, hey, is this quarterback really good? What do we think about this coach? What do we think about this team? Everybody gets a new data point, and we adjust on the fly our opinions. After week two of the NFL season, everybody was convinced that the Buffalo Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. They just waxed the university, university, Tennessee Titans. Everybody's like, Bills are the best team in the NFL. How often does that happen? How often is the best team in September also the team that is holding up the trophy uh, come February? Sometimes it happens. Oftentimes it doesn't. We adjust our opinions as we go along. Uh, And Jordan Poyer, to me, is willing to do that. Uh, Well, I thought this was interesting. Jordan Poyer is now evidently a free agent. And I'm not an expert right now on NFL free agency. I'm not on top of it. Uh, But he went on his podcast and he said, Look, I don't want to pay half my money in taxes. But I was like, yeah, join the club. And it uh, it crystallized for me what is continuing to be a big story. Is living in California so great that I am willing to pay 13% of my income for that privilege? I pay zero state income tax here in Tennessee. If you're listening to me in Florida, 0% state income tax. If you're listening to me in Texas, 0% state income tax. I love Texas, I love Tennessee, I love Florida. Would I be willing to not live in those three states because I loved California so much that I would pay 13% of my income to California? The answer is no. And I think a lot of people agree with me. So let's say you're fortunate. Let's say you make a million dollars a year. If you make a million dollars a year, then you are paying $130,000 to the state of California to live in California. That's $130,000 that you would still have in your pocket every year if you lived in Texas, if you lived in Tennessee, if you lived in Florida. I don't know about y'all. $130,000 extra? It's a lot of money. That's a lot of kids' college tuition. That's a lot of house that I can buy. That's a lot of lifestyle. Over 10 years, if you make a million dollars a year, 
that's an extra $1.3 million. Heck, even if you just invest it, $130,000 every 10 years, it's going to double. You're talking about dying with millions of extra dollars. I think a lot of people are now making rational decisions about where they live. And that's why Florida, for instance, has seen an increase in population of 800,000 and why California has lost 700,000 people. Because rational, reasonable, intelligent people are making the decision to go to states where you may well like the politics better and live in a new place. I've got a place in Florida. I've got a place in Tennessee. Maybe I'll get a place in Texas one day. I'm never going to leave in a, live in a state with a high income tax rate because why would I? I make a really good living now. Why in the world would I give 13% of my money to California? Why would I give 12% of my money to New York? I work hard for it. I don't want to pay the taxes 37% or whatever it is that I have to pay now. I think we're overtaxed in this country relative to what we get back. But I certainly don't want to be given over half my income to any state. I thought Jordan Poyer really kind of elucidated it well. And I think more people in a post-COVID era, when they have realized you can live many different places, are coming to this same conclusion. And I also think the more money you make, the more flexibility you have now of where you could live. And I think that's the big threat to New York and California. It's not just that they're losing population. It's that they're losing the population of the highest possible earners. I said if you make a million dollars a year. Some of these hedge fund dudes make a hundred million dollars a year. I mean, that's crazy dollars. But you want to give $13 million if you make a hundred million dollars in a year and you're a hedge fund guy, private equity? Do you want to give $13 million to California or $12 million to New York? Or put that money in your pocket and live in Texas, Tennessee, or Florida. The more money you make, the crazier it is to live in a high state uh, uh, income tax jurisdiction. I think it's going to change faster and faster. Our boy Prince Harry. I don't know Prince Harry. I certainly don't know Meghan Markle. I've never met either of them. I don't know that I even know anyone. Who knows either of them? I feel sorry at this point for Prince Harry because the South Park evisceration was funny. I watched The Crown some this weekend. My wife loves the royal family. Pay attention to it. Um, But I looked at this story. There now is talk that Prince Harry is going to do a pay-per-view interview about the emotional trauma that he has experienced. I feel as if we need an intervention here because every single decision that Harry and Meghan are making, it feels to me like it is the single worst decision they could make given the options. Harry and Meghan are the University of Alabama responding to uh, Brandon Miller. They are uh, Democrats responding to COVID. Given two options, they are picking the worst option every single time that is making them look worse and worse on the national scene. And 
I feel like sometimes you get surrounded by people who are either afraid to tell you the truth when you're rich or they're super stupid and they tell you the worst possible advice every time. I feel like if I went out to have a beer with Prince Harry, I could tell him what a normal person would be doing and it's basically the opposite of everything that he and Meghan are doing right now. It's not just me. The overall approval rating of Harry and Meghan is a disaster in England, but it's also now awful in the United States. The more they talk, the less people like them because the number one story that they are trying to tell, the American people see as a lie, which is we just want our privacy and to be treated like normal people. If that's true, why did you write a book? laying out every single detail of your private personal life. Why did you do a Netflix documentary? Why did you start a podcast company? Why are you doing a pay-per-view trauma interview? Look, I do a daily three-hour radio show. It's the biggest in the country. You know, I hate to brag or draw attention to myself, but millions of people listen. I help run OutKick, the biggest fastest growing sports website in the country. I also do OutKick the show and I am presently, as soon as I finish this, going to sit down at my desk and work on the book that I have been writing that is going to be out in September. I am doing all of those things because I am in media and my job is to speak, it is to write, it is to produce media content. If I told you every day I hate media. I hate attention. I just wish everyone would go away and stop paying attention to me. And yet I continue to put out all of these hours of media content every day. The hypocrisy would be galling and impossible to ignore. And instead of being one of the most popular people in the media industry on a positive negative uh, breakdown, I'd be one of the most hated like Prince Harry and Meghan, because it would all ring as falsehood to you. You would say, wait, Clay claims that he hates media, but he all he does for a living is media every day. That's Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. If you want privacy and you want to be treated like normal Americans and just raise your kids and not have a supercharged, media-obsessed life, then do it. The great thing about America is no one stops you from deleting every social media app you have, especially once you're wealthy, and just focusing on being a mom and dad. You can drive your kids to pick up every day. You can go like I do. Uh, You can take your kids to school. You can disappear, go on vacation for long periods of time. You can coach little league sports teams. All these things I've done. I'm a relatively normal person who has somewhat of an abnormal job, but I don't sit around and complain all day long about what people say about me and claim that all I want is my privacy. That's what Prince Harry and Meghan Markle do, and every single decision that they are making is the worst decision that could be made. Uh, Finally, the Bears, and I told you this would happen, Chicago Bears got the number one overall pick because the Houston Texans blew it 
and lost the number one overall pick in their final game of the season. Chicago Bears, of course, have Justin Fields, former Ohio State quarterback. I believe he's going to be iterating into his third year. Um, He is their quarterback right now. They put out a story through the usual media apparatus in the NFL and said they are open to trading the number one overall pick. Of course they are. (laughs) I mean, I'm open to selling my house. It's unlikely that I would. But if some super rich person knocked on my door tomorrow and offered me a million dollars more than my house is worth, in my opinion, I would sell it. I'm a capitalist. I wasn't looking to sell OutKick. But Fox and many other outlets tried to buy it from me. And eventually we reached a price that I thought was fair. And we sold it. The Bears have the number one overall pick. If someone makes them an offer that is better than they think they can get by drafting number one overall, they would be crazy not to consider it. The story here is not that the team with the number one overall pick would consider trading it. It's whether the Bears are 100% committed to Justin Fields or not. Because if they are not open to trading the overall number one pick, that's the actual story. Because then they would draft a quarterback and they'd be trying to move on from Justin Fields. That's the story to pay attention to. Are the Bears convinced Justin Fields is their future or not? If they are, then they should trade the overall number one pick for a King's ransom. If they aren't, then they should try to trade Justin Fields, who still has three years left on his initial rookie deal. It doesn't cost very much. And they should go get Bryce Young, in my opinion, the best quarterback available in this year's draft. My only concerns about Bryce Young are his durability. How uh, he's not that big of a dude, wasn't able to stay healthy in college. Is he going to be able to stand up to NFL beatings given how many big hits he'll take as a young quarterback? In terms of making throws, in terms of seeing the field, Bryce Young was the best quarterback in the NFL last year. I mean, in college football last year. I think he's indisputably the best quarterback available in this year's NFL draft. All right. Love all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis. This has been Outkick, the show.